Dudes and dudettes, welcome to episode 86. I recorded this one with my buddy Joe Ryan last night. Crack pipe. Nice. We may have been a little bit unfocused when we started. We're the only podcast that has both a microphone and a crack pipe plugged into the... <laughs> but then we managed to get it together like we always do. It's going to be a long one. It's going to be a long one. So enough of the silliness. Let's get it rolling. Buckle up, kiddies. Here we go. <laughs> Somebody told me that you do or die, but I believe... We're talking about the idea of, I called it argument by proxy. So here, here's, I can explain it like the way I see it, like in my group, right, for the podcast. People are, you know, they're afraid of how they feel. So to try and relate it to your stuff too, I think they're, they're trying to avoid feelings and sensations, yeah. right? And then they come on and they, they hate them. And their reaction is always to try many times as opposed to just letting them be there and be non-reactive to them and learn that it's okay to feel these things because it's not going to kill you. They will often try and talk themselves out of it. That's the mantra of I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm good, this is okay, it will pass, all things will pass. You've heard all of yeah. them, right? And you know, I can handle this, I got this, all that stuff. And it doesn't work, right? It never works because the anxious mind will always get that last what if in. It'll always come back. Yeah, but but what if? I hate when I don't get the last word. Right. I and, hate when anxiety gets in there. And, and it always <laughs> happens. So then they'll find that that's not calming them down. And so then they'll roll into the group and now want the reassurance from the group. Yeah. And essentially, they're arguing with their fear. Like they're trying to have an argument with their fear, which they cannot win. So then they will ask the group to, to be the proxy. Now, I cannot convince myself that I'm okay. So can you guys convince me mm. that I'm gonna tell me I'm gonna be okay? Right. Yeah. And this is seems like such a common thing now that I had to actually call it something, which is argument by you know, arguing <laughs> by proxy. Like you can't ask your support people to argue by proxy for you. Right. Does that relate at it, all? It does. There's a, and again, everything with recovery is a fun, like just a fine line. So you think about it, you know, some people will teach you that it all comes from within, but when it comes to anxiety and trauma, you can't do it without exposure. You can't do it without other people. Like you can't do it alone, but there's what I think what you're talking about is crossing that line where I'm giving up my responsibility for taking care of my feelings. I'm handing it over to a group or other people and saying, here, you take this and yeah. make me feel better with it. Yeah, kind of. Right? A little bit. So where's that fine line of exposing yourself to other people without giving them your responsibility? Yeah, and I think what, at least in the subject matter that I'm always talking about, the, the problem is people have such a hard time confronting these scary things, mm -hmm. these scary sensations, scary thoughts, and scary ideas that they want to revert to, I just need to make myself feel better right this minute. And if I can't, can you guys please do that for me? Right. But I think you could probably extrapolate that out in dealing with some of the stuff that you've dealt with where people will just... I had somebody the other day in my group say that they used to get really angry at their therapist because they kept handing the stuff to the therapist and the therapist kept punting it back to right, them. Right, right, and they right. And they made them angry. Like, I'm giving it. You're supposed to be making me feel better. And the I'm therapist paying, was like, no, 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 that's your job. I'm here. paying you good money to take my feelings away from me. Right, right. I'm <laughs> where, where no, I'm paying you good money yeah. so that you could confront me so that I can learn how to deal with my feelings and take care of them You know, myself. It's my responsibility, ultimately. Yes, you yeah, know? that's true. But I think uh, I relate a lot to because a lot of my life it was just... I never named it as trauma or, or anxiety. Like I just thought people lived in this state and people just managed it better than I did. Like I never had a name for it. So I would talk a lot about it 
to get feedback and talking about it, like I said before, took my responsibility away. It was a way of easing the pain by getting it out of me, but I wasn't resolving anything. I was just putting it out there to somebody or some group. And it was this big kumbaya, oh, it's okay, it's okay. No, it's not okay, I need to work on it. I can't just put it out there so you tell me I'm okay. Yeah, I have to work on making myself okay. Yeah, which ultimately, in the end, and I I did a little um, thing on Instagram a couple of days ago, where I said that recovery from an anxiety disorder, at least, is not a team sport. Like, ultimately, it is not a team sport. No. Yeah, like you can have a support team around you, but you're the one that actually has to score the points and, and win the game. It, it, there's a lot of parts to it. So you, you don't want to isolate. Right. You want to be, you want to expose, you want to be around people and connected to people who are kind of going through the same thing you are. But you have to have that boundary or that responsibility line where you're actually starting to take care of your own stuff instead of putting it off on other people because it's just so much easier and nothing, there's no progress. If I come in and dump my problems on you every day Mm -hmm. and that makes me feel good when I do that, Mm -hmm. I am now using you to feel better. What happens when you're not around and I don't have that sounding board? Right. I have to learn how to do it on my own. But you can't isolate and not have contact with people. You can't not expose yourself to the feelings Mm -hmm. that you need to. So you you have to find that fine line of, okay, I'm talking to somebody about this. Right. Opposed to, I'm giving it to somebody just to make, just to soothe me. It's like a pill. Right. And and so what's the intent? Is it like, I want immediate relief right now. I need you to make me feel better. Or, no, I'm going to rephrase that. Because when we talk about responsibility, I never need to make it sound like people are not willing to take. I think people are willing to take responsibility. Yes. But it's that thing that says, I need to feel better right now. I can't seem to do it myself. <laughs> so can you, whether you individually, my best friend, my mom, my dad, whoever, or my group, my Facebook group, whoever, can you guys make me feel better right now? I need to feel better now. Right. I remember when I first started writing and putting them up on Instagram, it was, I would get that feeling. And mm-hmm. for me, writing is a way to deal with those feelings. I would put it on paper. Right. Then I would put it on Instagram. I would get the validation back and it would take away what I was feeling that was so painful that I just wrote about. So what ended up happening was over time, I would write something and I would definitely not post it for a day or a week so that I could sit with those feelings and process it. Because the other way was I was putting it out there. Right. People were replying, liking, commenting, messaging, and it completely took me out of my feelings. So now what I did was I write it, I bury it in you know my photo album or wherever I keep it, and then a couple of days later, when that feeling is passed and I've managed it and looked at it and dealt with it, right. when it doesn't have that impact where I feel like I need to get this out, mm-hmm. that's when I'll put it out. That's, that's interesting because <clears throat> one of the last things that I was talking about um, in the group was live video. Sometimes people get into a thing where it becomes a crutch. And just like that, so when they're feeling a particular thing, in this case, they're panicky or whatever it is, or they have to do that hard thing, I'm going to go and do the hard thing and expose myself to the stuff, they'll turn on the camera and go live. And the suggestion that I made was, as opposed to live video, which is, can you guys hold my hand while I do this thing and make me, soothe me while I do this thing I don't want to do, 
record if you want because it might help you later just like writing helped you right when you go back and look at it but record it and stash it for 20 minutes 30 minutes or an hour or a week and then go back and put it out there right and discuss it because I think what you'll find that the more you practice on holding off putting it out there mm -hmm. you're gonna feel like you don't need to have to put it out there because you've taken that time to sit with what you just uncovered or what exposure you're going through yeah that the the need to do it with somebody else or put it out there in the group or go live slowly starts to go away and what you're teaching your brain and yourself is that you can deal with these emotions it's going to take time right it's practice and i think so many people who are listening <clears throat> whether they're dealing with you know panic and, and the mechanical stuff that I talk about or they have some issues like the things that you're dealing with and that you talk about all the time the same rules apply mm -hmm. like so instead of so this is we have a twofold issue here and we started by talking about like arguing by proxy can you guys proxy argue with my anxiety or my fear or my shame for me can you please argue with it because I can't seem to win the argument please make me feel better so there's two things to me it's always you have to learn not to argue you cannot stop arguing. Right. But I think the first step is you're gonna argue, you're gonna argue, everybody falls into the trap, especially when they're new to the, the, the concept. They start arguing and then they figure out like this isn't working. And then, but that's where you hit the fork in the road. Instead of now asking someone else to argue for you, that's where you have to say, well, this argument isn't working. I must stop arguing with it and just let it be there. Right. Right. You're not taking care of your own stuff. You're you're using other people and other means to take care of it. And sometimes at the beginning, mm -hmm. we, we need to do that because we don't know any other way. Right. But I think the thing is to, to shift that back where you don't argue with it, you sit with it. Right. And just learn that it's okay. It will pass. You will get through it. You don't need to be so knee-jerk reaction where it's like, oh my God, I got this feeling. Let me get to the group. Right. Right. It's, oh let my god, write. let me something. Oh my god, I got this feeling. Let me sit with it. Right. It's, it's going okay. to be painful, uncomfortable, annoying, you know, frightening. But just keep doing it over and over. And even if it, you have to wait three minutes before you hit the group yeah. with it, right. the next time maybe it's six minutes. And before you know it, you're just building your own strength to learn how to deal with these emotions that you don't know how to deal with. Probably right. Um, and I think what's so interesting is whether you're dealing with agoraphobia, health anxiety, panic disorder, whatever it is, or you're dealing with trauma recovery and, and confronting things like inadequacy or self-confidence or shame, same rules apply. They do. Yeah, same rules apply. Like you're just going to have to let this thing happen. And for somebody who's dealing with panic, like you'll just have to learn that, okay, right now you're going to panic. It's going to really suck, but it's okay. You'll, you'll handle it. And it'll pass through if you don't fight it and you'll still be okay you learn not to fear it same thing with true like oh no I, I cannot feel that feeling of shame or embarrassment or inadequacy i must not feel that it's, but, but you kind of do have to feel it. it's yes yeah, a humiliate the trauma for it for me it's like a humiliating feeling yeah and it just resonates throughout my body to the point where i just feel like a worthless human being and i've recognized that that's the feeling that I struggle with mightily. Right. That when I do feel that shame and humiliation and I feel worthless, I have to sit with that. Because my first thing to do is to somehow mood alter or 
do something that's going to take that away. Soothing, I, right then and there. Right. I don't want it to be soothing anymore. I want to sit with... Well, I don't really want to. No, nobody ever does. <laughs> but, but I feel like I have to. And you, if you think about it this way, if I physically broke my leg, I would take the time to heal. I wouldn't be down on myself for not being able to get up and jog or go to the gym or walk without crutches. I would be forgiving enough of my body because my bone is broken to allow myself to heal and I'd be kind of compassionate with my broken leg. Yeah, yeah. We don't do that with emotions. No, we don't. We're like, we want this gone right now. Yeah. It should be over. I'm weak. I'm useless. I'm powerless. It's going to beat me. Like all those negative thoughts. Whatever has gotten us to the point where we have these emotions that we can't deal with, we have to be patient with it. And it's going to take time. And you're not going to do it right most of the time when you first start. But over time, for me, I have found a process with the feelings. And I work that process and I refine it over time that I do not fear it. I don't like when it comes. I don't like feeling bad about myself. Nobody does. But where I used to go that I'm worthless, I just go to I'm healing. Okay. You're, you're learning. I always tell people you're not, you're learning. So you're, you're saying you're healing. I tell people they're learning. Right. Right. It's a process. And I think I, I want to bring it back again to that, like arguing, arguing by proxy, whether you're now you're arguing with yourself for, for people who are generally listening to my podcast all the time, they're using mantras like it's okay. I'm okay. This will pass. It's all this positive self-talk thing mm -hmm. that I think people are taught. Go to that. They will, they will save you. I think maybe in the case of the things you're dealing with, I got to believe it's just countering that. I'm worth, I, I'm beautiful, I'm awesome, I'm worth it, I'm a great human. I but, but you don't win the argument until you actually feel the feeling, right? Yeah, I don't even say that anymore. I don't try to get out of it that way. I don't use any positive language. I see people all the time. I, I, I am worthy, I am this, I am that. But when you feel that and you're running from those feelings, I'm guessing you can't win that argument. You can't because you're not aligned with that. So you're trying to create something for me. You yeah. try, I'm trying to create something that I don't truly believe in every cell in my body at that moment. Right. So I actually do the opposite. If I get to the point where I get triggered big time, I usually hit the couch, everything off, and I'm like, I, I'll say what I'm feeling in my head, not out loud. I'm like, I feel worthless right now. Yeah. This worthlessness will pass. Right. I just have to allow this worthlessness yeah. to consume me, take me over. I go back to in my cells to an experience years ago. Mm -hmm. I feel it as best as I can without getting out of it. And it slowly starts to subside. Right. Almost like all of the trapped negative emotions, instead of telling myself, you're not worthless, you're great, you're... The that's just, that's like covering up rust with paint. Yeah. I need to go in and scrape that rust off before yes. I can paint. So it just kind of, those feelings seem to ooze out of me. And then there's a, a level of clarity afterwards. And if I have the same trigger again and again, which I usually do, mm -hmm. they're just less intense and they don't last as long. Every time. And so the parallel between what you just described and what I will tell anybody who wants to listen to me, okay. like this is how you get through your panic and anxiety or phobia, exactly the same, exactly the same. Let it be there, don't react to it, let it do the worst thing you could possibly think of, and you learn that, oh, it begins to dissipate after you know a while, if you don't add more to it, 
We don't fight it. And then suddenly you've learned that like, oh, I can go through that and I'm still okay. So I guess on your side, the parallel would be, well, I can feel worthless for an hour or two on a Friday night, but still be okay afterwards. Maybe I'm not worthless. Exactly. But at the moment, at the moment that a person who's agoraphobic is trying to get out the front door, every cell in their body, their brain, their lizard brain, that the fear center is screaming at them, do not do this, you will die. Right. So like, I'm okay, I got this, I'm strong, I'm a warrior, I got this, it will pass, is bullshit. It's like <laughs> screaming into a fucking hurricane. It, in plain English, and it never works. I agree. So I do. I suffer with anxiety and panic. It's trauma is more my thing, but I right. do have the anxiety. I have a hard time starting something, especially in the morning. For me to get out of the house in the morning, it is like this massive ordeal that goes on in my head. And I used to just beat the crap out of myself. You know what's wrong with you? People function normally. There's a whole world. I look out my window. People are just moving around, doing things, and I am almost terrified to start my day yeah what i do now is instead of beating myself up for not doing it it's like okay um i'm having a little agoraphobia i'm having a little panic i'm having a little trauma we're gonna work through this slowly i i think the big thing for me was i wanted to be out in the world like everybody else and not have a care in the world about it right for whatever reason the way my life worked out that's not me so instead of thinking I want to be on the top of this mountain function high at a high level, I'm just like, okay, we're not okay right now. We right. know we're not okay, but we can get in the shower not okay. Yes. We can get dressed not okay. Yes. We can get to the office not okay. Right. And the funny thing is I've learned because I've been doing this a lot lately is all the things that I've been fearful about for getting out of the house, once I get out and get in the swing of the day. Yeah. It, I'm always like, really? Thank you. That was that was, all of that for this? Thank you. Right, exactly. This is cakewalk. Right. I just it's those moments when they come finding your process for dealing with it. And the self-talk for me to tell me myself, you got this, you're okay. That, that did nothing. It does nothing. I have to go to the opposite and say, you're not okay. But it's okay. But it's okay that you're not okay. And right. once you get through this wave of crap that you're feeling, right. you're going to look back and go, really? That, that was it. So many times. <laughs> That's absolutely true. But I, I think the point there is to bring it back to you know arguing. So I'm talking about arguing with panic and anxiety, arguing with feelings or memories and things that you're continually trying to like beat down. And I think it's natural for people, the first step is to try and self-soothe immediately in the moment when we get uncomfortable. We try to argue with our panic or anxiety or our emotions or our memories or our trauma. It doesn't work. So I think when you hit that fork in the road, like this isn't making me feel any better, it's better to say, well, then I have to stop arguing than to try and find a proxy to argue, a therapist, a group, a friend. So like, please tell me I'm gonna be okay. That's a fork in the road. Like, do not go down that. If you can't soothe yourself by arguing with, with the problem, stop arguing with the problem. Don't find someone to do it for you. Right. This, this arguing does not get you anywhere. Accepting and acknowledging the reality of it is what's going to take you where you need to be. And over time, as you keep doing it, where I've avoided feeling, you know, my whole life, that now when those things come up i find them an opportunity for growth and learning i still don't like them yeah 
I like them more than I used to because I'm not running from them because when you run from it, you're never going to learn. You're never going to get anywhere. Facing it and accepting it and not, and, you know, you're pretending and arguing it away is no. not going to get you anywhere. No, it never gets It's you. a great place to get to when things come up now mm-hmm. where I'm like, this is a good thing that I'm feeling this bad right now. Right. Because if I don't deal with it now, yeah. when am I going to deal with it? And then they're just less intense over time. Your skills get better with coping with it to the point where I can leave the house and it doesn't take me four hours. It may take me 45 minutes now. Right, right. But from where you were, and you know, again, just the fact that we're here all the time together and I know you were friends for so long, the difference is astounding. <laughs> like just astounding, like a new person. It is. I, I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself from the way I've been my whole life, but I've never felt more like me if that makes any sense yeah no it does and you know that thing where you said like i could get in the shower not okay i can drive to the office not okay i can go and get to work not okay i can do all these things not okay i go in the city i can socialize i can be on a date i can do all these things not okay right it's all right and that is so many times where i find that the people who are listening to me especially people who are they get stuck on a particular symptom or thought and Somehow they give that symptom, stomach is a big one lately, it seems, so much weight. Like, okay, I'm all right with anxiety, but when my stomach starts churning, all bets are off. I must retreat and focus on it, and this is terrible, and it's crippling, and I can't. But then then they'll do things like, I don't know if you can relate to this, they'll do things like, I kind of think they are arguing with it still, to a certain extent, even though that argument sometimes might be silent, because I'll have people who will say, it's that one, that one thing I can't get past. But I'm still out doing stuff. So they'll plow through their day, but they'll plow through the entire day with one eye on the day and the other eye pointed inside to their stomach. That's nauseous. Right. Or whatever the thought that's plaguing them that day. My thought was always, let me get through this as quick and painless as possible so I can get home, close the door, and hide forever and not have to deal with any of this. Right, right. I think... You know, my stomach, my chest, my anxiety, my thoughts always had felt more powerful than, I guess, my soul, right? Okay. So there was no way I could win. And that was the thing. That's what I was arguing and fighting with. Right. That somehow I'm going to beat this. You don't beat it. You join it. As cliche as it sounds, you have to integrate. This is a part of who you are. You've split this off and it's trying to come back to teach you something. Right, right. If you don't integrate the positive and negative sides of you so you can meet in the middle at an authentic self, what's, what's the point? You can't keep it far. It's it's a part of you. Yeah. And you are trying to disown it. It's been split off a long time ago. It's coming back. And it's knocking on your door going, please look at me. Yeah. We yeah. need to take care of this. Yeah. The more you alter and the more you run and the more you avoid and the more fear you have of this, the stronger this is going to get and the smaller your world is going to get. Integrate me, please, so we can become more whole and live a better life. Right, right. One of the most interesting things I, I heard recently, <clears throat> Netflix had did this little mini series called The Mind Explained, which was really good. And they did one episode on anxiety, which was spectacular. And at the end, they had a clinical psychologist who summed it up by saying, look, what we seem to be learning here is it's never about 
avoiding or escaping anxiety. It's about learning how to experience it properly. Correct. And I think that's that integration. Right. So for me, I might be talking about things like fear, anxiety, panic, and the symptoms. For you, you might be talking about feelings and memories that come from the past. But either way, we have to learn how to experience them and integrate them. Right. I'm gonna, I might be anxious one day again. What do I do with that? How do I handle that? How do I experience it like in a normal way that this is just what humans have to go through sometimes. We have bad experiences. We, we question. We have trauma. We have all these things. So you can't like wipe it away. It's just part going to be part of life. No, and I think you know my experience was there were certain emotions that I was allowed to have and certain emotions that I wasn't. So right. if I had emotions that weren't allowed, I would just bury them. And it happened so young that you don't even realize it. So as I got older, I realized how many different emotions have split off that I'm not allowed to experience or express. Right. And somewhere subconsciously I didn't want to be in situations where any one of those emotions could possibly arise because I can't deal at that point point. Right. and then I become this you could just see it it all washes over me that time we had that roundup G GMO thing yes, how I, I just that. completely yeah you that was it you were checked out instantly instantly like seconds because I wasn't allowed to express what I was feeling yeah. because I was never allowed to before. Yeah. So I've lived my life only be putting myself in situations where I felt like I had control of how it was gonna go. Right. When you start integrating that stuff back into you. That's such an interesting little incident too because it was such a small uh. little, like from my side of the table, it was like, oh yeah, what were we even talking about? But like the, the, the life just flushed right out of your face. It was embarrassing. It yeah, really was. Like it's just, it, and it was, it was a nothing conversation. I just right. had felt was, so strongly about something, and you felt the opposite, and I just didn't feel like I had the right to defend myself for my point of view, yeah. and that goes way back to you know childhood, and right. it was so, it was so revealing. And the, the so the best part about it was. You know, I felt like crap for like a week and a half. Like I kept replaying that scene over and over in my head. And I, how, how are people looking at me? I could see that I lost every ounce of energy in my body. And, and then we ended up talking about it like four months after. Yeah. And it was like, oh, we never, I never said that? Oh, okay. It wasn't exactly what I had thought it was. Like I interpreted it wrong and I yeah. went into panic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so funny how that happens but I think the same thing holds true like in almost anything else like you look at that and say well this is that thing that I cannot do but I now we laugh about it right now, whereas it was such a traumatic experience for you but now we laugh about it because you've taken the time to actually be okay with that feeling of like oh I just got bitch slapped which you weren't I but wasn't you interpreted it that way it, which is fine exactly and I respect that. but now you're okay with that feeling as opposed to like, I, I can't ever feel that. So that's a feeling I never want to deal with. Yep. Subconsciously, I didn't even know what it was. Right. That day, it brought it to my conscience. I spent like 10 days obsessing over it. Yeah. To the point where I ended up starting to meditate on it and see where it came from. That if it comes up again, my reaction is not going to be that intense. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it might be, which, and we could, we have to kind of wrap it up in a right. bit, but... Just to touch on that for a second, which is something we could probably talk about for hours and hours. Yeah. Your initial reaction, and we've talked about this in the times we're just shooting the shit, your initial reaction sometimes is still always the same as it always has been for years. Yeah. But the reaction, that initial reaction used to maybe last for a week. Right. Then it would last for just a couple of days. Then it might last for the day. 
And sometimes the reaction lasts for two seconds now. And you immediately like, oh, that's that thing. Right. And the same, again, a parallel where like when you learn not to be afraid of anxiety and panic and those sort of things, like you can never engineer out, we are human. You cannot engineer the fear right. response out of your life. So same thing, like you feel that, oh, the little flutter heartbeat and like, oh, there's always that initial, but now when you get really good at it, it's like, oh, it's not the first second, it's what happens in second number two, three, and four that dictate everything. Correct. Right. The first second is the same for all of us. If you go into that like shame spiral right. in that second and third yeah. second, yeah. you're done. It's a, for me, I'm done. I can't recover. Right. If I don't fall into that, I stay present because all, what I feel like I'm doing is I'm going back to an experience that I had had right. because those feelings had come up and I turn into that little scared boy yep. and I'm powerless. If I can just stay in that moment and realize that I'm actually in this moment, this day, this year, and I'm not back in 19, whatever. Right, right. It just makes it so much easier to stay present. We just, and that's the thing when you have this kind of conflict. So there's, if like a disrespect, let's say, mm -hmm. you're feeling disrespected. There may be disrespect in the present that you feel. Could be. But what happens is we take the disrespect for that feeling back years yeah and it just is like this tidal wave and you feel out of control where you can't stay present so if you can take that breath and stay present when right. you get that trigger right it changes everything going okay forward. more parallels because for somebody dealing with the other stuff that, I, that i'm talking about all the time you might feel jittery that day you might be a little bit nervous you might be a little bit afraid of whatever it is like just being human except for that person who's dealing with the disorder now they're going to, oh, here's that thing again mm -hmm. that I cannot escape and has totally screwed me up for the last 10 years. And like they just get carried away. Like you're talking about getting to the shame spiral. People with anxiety problems, they will just get carried away right. by the anxiety wave. Like, oh, here it is. Now I'm done for the next day, which doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. And I think the big thing with the anxiety for me was not fearing it anymore. Right. Once I learned how not to fear it, and absorb those feelings instead of running and putting them off on others. Right. That was the big change for me in my life. And it's, I've spent many nights, many hours alone on a couch in the dark, yeah. just feeling it and allowing it to be and waiting for it to pass. Right. It used to be hours. Now sometimes it's minutes. Before we wrap it up, yeah. I want to touch on one more thing because yeah. I, I talk about this all the time too, and you're going to have a lot to say about this. Maybe we'll just record another one. But, the you've made so much progress knowing where these things come from yes still didn't fix it though until you learn to actually get through the <laughs> feelings just having the epiphany of oh i know why i feel this way didn't really fix it by itself did it? no it doesn't and the funny thing was i used to think that i could read everything i needed to i can listen to everything watch everything and most importantly for me write everything so that i understood why I'm a jackass today because this happened 30 years ago right. when I can connect the dots but I, I felt like I had to get it I had to figure it all out before I can go out in the world and start living okay <clears throat> connecting the dots for me is important just for repressed memories and a lot of stuff that I don't remember that does affect me but that can't be it I have to put myself out there it is 
just exposing myself slowly. I've done a lot of the back work. My whole life has been back work. Yeah, yeah. I've never did the actual living today and dealing with it in real world situations. When I put those two together, right. it is like I went from driving you know, a Prius to a Ferrari. Right. Like the speed in which the recovery has just rolled since then. Yep. There's value in both for me. You know, it's got to, it has to be like a recovery bullion base. You know what I mean? Right, like right. I can't and just. I, 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 admittedly, I have an ulterior motive for bringing that up. Yeah. First of all, the way you handle that, we could probably do a half hour on just by itself, yeah. which maybe we should. But the it's that root cause thing that I always want to address where people will like, no, you don't understand. Like you can't, you know, I just need to, if I could just find out why I feel this way. If I wasn't loved as a child, there was maybe that's true. That could be. But too many people that I've run into with these disorders have the epiphany like, oh, it was because of this. But when they have learned specific patterns of behavior to avoid those things, just knowing where they came from, the behavior still exists. Correct. So the avoidance of like, you know, the, the things that you, the way you lived, even though you were clear on some of where it came from. Right. Until you stopped, until you actually went into it then. Cool. And started actually going through it. Right. So if, And experiencing it fully. If, if I could... You have to have both. You have to have both. Yeah. So let's just say somebody grew up in an abusive alcoholic household. Right. And it was like a, a small place. It was always crowded. So you didn't like crowds. You didn't like to be congested. You didn't like being around people who drank. You didn't like people... So you go to a crowded bar. Right. You're in panic the whole time. So avoiding the crowded bar isn't going to get you anywhere, even though you know why you don't want to be in that crowded bar. Right. You, Which, you, you still got to go into the bar. You still got to go in the bar because you don't think it's safe. Yeah. Every cell in your body is telling you danger. Do not go in there. I can't handle my emotions by going in there. And I know why because I went to root cause, let's right. just say. Right. The only way to get over it is to know, the, for me, is to know the root cause as best as I can, but yep. also put myself in the situations that I fear. Right. Because if I walk into a place, so let's just say I didn't like, I don't like crowded bars, if that's my thing, and I'm, I'm worried every time in there about getting into a fight or abusive, whatever the situation is. If I don't know why that is, it makes it harder for me to go into those situations, for me personally. If I know why it's hard, right. it makes it easier for me to do it because I can map it back to an experience. So I don't feel like I'm crazy just because I don't like you know going to the garden with seven, sixty you know thirty thousand people yeah. at a show yeah. and I'm have anxiety about going to see the show right. and not know why. If I know why, it makes it easy. But I have to do for me. I have to do both. I, I think for most people, they have to do both, and I've seen a lot of people struggle with that that thing of trying to rationalize why they have this anxiety all the time. It's because I, I never learned to feel safe. And okay, that's fine. But now you've got 15 years of avoidance behavior ingrained in your life and you must break that. Okay, now you know you didn't feel safe as a child, but you're still having the same problems. And the thing is, we're not children, so nobody's gonna teach us how to do it. We can't look for a mother and a father in, in, in other people and other things. We have to start parenting ourselves right. Very good. and teach ourselves right. how to feel safe. And I, I think that's a, such a good point. Whether it's a childhood thing or, or some other issue that maybe is, is following people from the past. Well, I, I feel unsafe because I never learned to feel safe. Maybe your parents contributed. Maybe a, a relationship partner contributed. Whatever it is. You could recognize that, but 
then how do you learn to be safe? You have to actually then, okay, great, I never learned to be safe. Well, now you must learn to be safe. And the way you have to do it, unfortunately, at the moment is yourself. Right. Yeah. You yeah. don't have a parent or a partner, whoever it is, that's going to somehow magically imbue you with a feeling of inner safeness. Right. You got to build it. And it's hard work. Yeah. It is hard work to learn something that was never modeled for you, that you never saw. You don't know where to start. Learning to trust myself and my feelings that I could be in the same body right. with my feelings. Right, right was the start. I have to trust and teach myself. It wasn't modeled. I don't, I've never, I don't know what it looks like. Right. I, and the, the, the ironic thing is that I, I give that to my kids and I don't know where that comes from. I can give it to them easily. I can't give it to myself. It's funny, right? And what's, what I think is so interesting too, when you go and dig a little deeper into that, is if you want to bring it back to childhood or whatever it is, even the best parents, the loving, supportive, educational parents, the best parents, you still teach yourself to be safe. All they do is kind of give you the kick that says, you could do that. You, you could go, you could, you'd be all right, you could right. go do that. And then you still do it and you fall down, you skin your knee or you fail miserably or whatever it is. You know, you get cut from the team, but you learn that like, oh, well, I'm still okay. Because they're they can't make you feel that. No. In the end, you still had to have the experiences, even as a child or in a relationship, to teach yourself competency and safety. Just that maybe you had somebody who was encouraging you to do that or not. Right. You're not allowed to do that. So you just never had a chance to teach yourself. Exactly. But in the end, we all taught ourselves, whether we were six years old or 36 years old, you still get to teach yourself in the end. I think for most of us, we've taught ourselves in a... In a uh, how to avoid and how not to feel and how not to sit with the feelings and go into it. Because when you're that little, you don't have the mental or emotional capability to actually reason out what was going on or right. how to do those things. So subconsciously, you just adapted to your environment. Right. But then we get kind of locked in. At some point, you're responsible for your emotions. And the sooner you start taking responsibility for your emotions, the sooner recovery kicks in faster. Yeah, yeah. That's just responsible for your own shit. That's just crazy talk. <laughs> yeah. That's what that is. I, I say stop this episode I, right I don't know. What, I've never seen that model. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're responsible for your own shit. Um, anyway, that's a really good topic. We could talk a lot about that at length, I'm sure. But I think I'm not even going to try and bring it back because we went so far out of this. It doesn't matter. Rabbit there, hole. Rabbit hole. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, maybe you reuse some of this in another episode, whatever it is. So I don't know. You got anything else you want to throw at this now? No, we, I mean, can, we can go for hours. We here, can, I, yeah, I can go all night. Yeah, Friday um, night podcasting here. <laughs> How sad is that? This is my exciting <laughs> life. Got nothing to do on a Friday night. Let's sit in a conference room with a microphone. <laughs> not good. Anyway. All right. So... Where can we find you again? People uh, who want to follow you? Yeah, JoeRyan.com or mostly on Instagram at JoeRyan. It's easy to remember. If when you're not blocked. When I'm not blocked. <laughs> when you're just, not in Instagram jail. What's I just, up with that? I don't know. I just realized that I, they finally unblocked me again. But they, every 24 hours they block me and unblock me. I want everybody. I'm going to ask a personal favor. Everybody who's listening to this, go follow Joe on Instagram so we can get the free Joe Ryan hashtag <laughs> going next time he gets blocked inexplicably. I don't, I've never seen anything like this before. I, I think there's two posts with that hashtag. Well, no, we're going to try and roil that bitch up. Like, free Joe Ryan. We're going to storm the Instagram Bastille. I'm in, I'm in Instagram jail. Instagram jail. Anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Go follow Joe. Um, 
if you're listening to iTunes, I'm supposed to ask you this. Like, give me a review and like a five-star rating if this was awesome. And like, you know, follow along on all the social stuff. TheAnxiousTruth.com. Just go there, follow the links, ask questions, join the Facebook group, all that stuff. And um, I guess we're going to see you in the next one. All righty. Good luck.